Hey, very good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And we're recording live from our studios in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> no, really, it's just a room full of boxes, boxes because we're about to move next month if everything goes all right um, to a new place. As long as the hurricane doesn't and, uh, destroy everything. Well, if the hurricane attack. blows through, yeah. hopefully it blows through before we close in the house, uh -huh. so that way they got to fix it first. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so today we are going to be talking about our next European park. This is Ploxelon de Panne. Um, you probably don't know it for much besides Anubis the Ride or the brand new Ride to Happiness by Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland. the Mac Extreme Spinner. Mm -hmm. um, and so we'll take it for a quick tour around this awfully Belgian park. Uh, awfully Belgian. Well, that very, is, I mean, very. I mean, it's very Belgian because it's all the franchises of this Belgian company called Studio I 100. And love this part. I know, Alex is really obsessed with this, but probably because yeah. he doesn't know any of the franchises, so he doesn't, he just sees a bunch of really fun characters, but he doesn't really know the background, and I it's, guess that must be so, really mystical. I feel like for an American, this is such a funny park, because you're in this, like, Disney-esque, but like, maybe, but like, tacky, well, not maybe tacky, maybe a little bit. It's not bad. I don't, I don't think it's bad. Some people do, but I found it, like, this alternate universe kind of Disney-ish Disney meets Six Flags kind of thing, where there's like all these different intellectual properties, like a wide breadth of different intellectual properties and their own rides, not themed areas, but just like a mishmash of rides tethered to intellectual properties just scattered around the park. And none of these properties are stuff that like Westerners would be familiar with, like virtually none of them. So it's just kind of funny. I mean, here's the whole... Westerners. Culture. I mean, like Western Hemisphere. Okay. I always mean Western Hemisphere. Because Western culture is also like Netherlands and Belgium yeah, yeah, and yeah. France and Spain and UK. Fair enough. They matter. North Americans would not know these intellectual properties, generally speaking. Maybe Canadians would, but generally speaking, not Americans. So it was just kind of funny going through this place, and there's like a lot of a, a lot of substance. With these intellectual properties that, like me as an American, I have no concept of, so it's kind of funny. So, first and foremost, this park didn't open as Pop Santa Pana. It was actually a uh, park called Meli Park, or Meli Park, depending mm -hmm. on who you ask. And that is a honey brand, so it was themed after, well, it's like a honey brand, and it had a bit of a forest, a forest kind of vibe to it. Thing. Exactly. Um, and then Plopsa, uh, or Studio Hundert, mm -hmm. which is the owner of Kabat the Plop. Um, Samson and Gert, those are the main big first shows, which is by the name Plopsa, mm -hmm. no, Plopsa. became a thing. Mm -hmm. um, they started the park, and over the years it turned into more of a resort. So now we've got a water park, indoor water park, a extra outdoor theme park, of course, an indoor, indoor theme indoor park, park, small yeah. one called Maya Land. Maya Land. And a hotel. So that's kind of what we got going on right now. The park is located near the ocean, or uh, near the North Sea, really, um, on the... Um, west coast of Belgium and it is located in Flandern which is the Dutch speaking part obviously heavy accent if you're from the Netherlands but that's where the park is located um, the one thing I kind of want to mention real quick before diving into the actual theme park is that Plops Aqua or Plops Aqua whoever you want to pronounce it is their indoor water park it's not very large but it actually is a cool collaboration between um, a local municipality and the actual resort itself because local municipalities wanted to build new public pools for the locals at the same time that Plopsa wanted to add an indoor water park. So they joined forces, combined budgets, and locals can enter Plopsa Aqua as like their local pool for mm -hmm. cheaper. And people that visit the resort um, get to have an indoor water park experience that they can add to their vacation. It's, just so, cool. it's like the most European thing ever. It's pretty European. In like the best way. Um, but yeah, let's talk right into the park. The entrance is a little weird. Not gonna lie, it's I a like giant the door. Is cool because it's like a oh yes, like the, the giant door is okay. But then after it's like a giant billboard with a bunch of characters on it. It just it's a little messy. I yeah. don't know. Um, I, I guess like the marquee, but I mean like the entrance, like the plaza. But the entrance is plaza really is cool. cool. It's a, it's a giant town I feel square. Like this park has, or the a, hotel. has a really nice presence. Flopsaqua, Mayland, and then the rest of the park. All I think meet, there's a lot so of parks nice. in Europe, with the exception of maybe like Efteling, where sometimes the entrance. Or and plaza or lack thereof is not super pronounced. Like we'll be online. The entrance, like the turnstiles and stuff, is very matter of fact. Um, Bellavada, even like Fantasia Land, it has several little entrances, and it has Berlin, which is like their main street. 
but they don't really have an entrance plaza per se, whereas this park has the plaza kind of almost gave me like Disneyland resort vibes in the sense that like you've got a lot of things attached to the square. Like if you think of Disneyland, the center of Disneyland resort, like the exact center of it as being like a square where you have Disneyland to the north, California Adventure to the south, downtown Disney to the west, and um, the bus center, and the rest of, like, and the, the street entrance to Disneyland to the right. That For some reason, that's what this reminded me of, because you had the entrance to the park. Once you were in the turnstiles, if you took a left, that would bring you to the rest of Plopsalandapana. If you went straight, you would go into the indoor Mayaland, and to the right was Plopsakwa and the hotel. Um, so yeah, it, it's a nice square. It's got some water features, a couple of restaurants. Um, even in the dark, it was very nice when mm-hmm. we left for the day. So what way around should we do the lap? Should we do a lap around the park, or should we? What should I we guess do? we could. Do you want to? Should we start with? Because of course, our day of course started with uh, Ride to Happiness, but, but we we'll can finish save the episode that. with that. So we'll start. I think the, a good place to start is with that little dark ride. That's actually immediately if you take if you take a hard right. Once you once you take a left from the plaza and you're facing the the bus, like the majority of the amusement park, the outdoor park, you can either go straight, which takes you kind of to the center of the park, like where Anubis is. You can hang a left that kind of curves around to the edge, uh, which is where Ride to Happiness is and like Heidi and stuff. Or you take a right, which then gradually curves around to the left, um, for that far perimeter of the park, which has some of the older attractions, including the the like signature little old mill dark ride uh, that is themed to um, Kabalter Plop. Plop. Um, I, a gnome? A no, yes. Okay, so Kabalter Plop is very Smurf-like, I guess. Would... No, they're not Smurfs. Well, they're kind of like Smurfs. They live in mushrooms. They're gnomes. They live in mushrooms. And well, their the little Smurfs hats... are gnomes. Their little hats move up. They well, they're more hats. like you and you gnomes. They're, you're humanoid. No, the, the Kabalter Plop. Uh, Just the, Google it. The characters, K-A-B-O-U-T-E-R space B-L-O-P. Kabalter, Kabalter Plop, Plop is, per, is performed. They're performed by live actors. So it's not a cartoon like the Smurfs. But um, they are like six inches tall and live inside of mushrooms. So they're miniature people living in these little these little villages and sometimes, like, watching the live-action version, sometimes I kind of forget that it's supposed to be downscaled. There's not really a frame of reference, and since I'm not really familiar with the intellectual property, I just kind of think that it's, like, normal-sized humans living in a normal-sized human world that's, like, a fantasy, like, uh, like cottagecore-looking thing. But then when we rode the ride, I'm, like, everything is, is actual size, like, canon size. So it's a bunch of tiny little animatronic gnomes with their little hats... The hats are funny. It's like they're these little... How would you even describe the hats? Because the hats are like... Well, iconic. the hats are like little upside-down pants. Yeah. With little bells at with the end. bells on the end. And every time they and are they in animate. shock or they're excited or whatever surprised. happens, the little the, hats... The hats like... Jump up. Like the, like, and the bells ring or whatever. It's, it's, so the whole dark ride is pretty much like 10 minutes of just a million of these little characters doing that the yeah, entire time. Yeah. It's, it's It sounds weird. And my first impressions of it was like, what is the deal with the hats? I mean, the hat is so iconic that even like the Plopsa indoor amusement parks, like the ensign is literally just the hat. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like a jester hat sort of thing. It's not unlike Pardus and his little hat with the bells on it. It's just very European, uh, almost like just entertainment. Um, entertainment character stuff but yeah so this little ride was kind of had the small world vibes a little bit maybe a little bit like monster mansion at um I had a pretty six Flags i had Georgia. a small but like a fun drop in there yeah had a, a cute little drop of the home ride photo um six passenger boats sitting two across th- rows of three uh, three rows nine if you have a little kids with you and yeah. really just really really darling like a huge delight for someone like me who just like wallows in and and like relishes in vintage style dark rides like old school. It's, I'm like I'm convinced. I don't know who built this, but I'm I could swear that it's like a little aerodynamics dark ride from the seventies. I know the ride's old. It was probably Mac. I'm guessing Mac built it because Arrow wasn't like supplying a lot of rides to this region. 
um, at that point in time. Actually, they never really supplied a lot of rides to that region. But it's if you were riding this thing, you would not really necessarily. I mean, it's very possible because yeah. the park holds us a locked one. It's Mac and a yeah. Mac powered coaster. But to ride it, you would think like, oh, this is exactly like Monster Mansion or like the Six Flags Ever Texas little boat dark ride that's being rethemed this year. It's that sort of thing. The ride is so cute. It was a huge surprise, and I just loved it. Um, in that area of the park, you have, like, lots of kiddie rides. The Samson and um, whoever it is. Samson, Samson and Gert. Samson and Gert or, area. Um, it's like Samson a carnival. and Marie now. Oh, yeah, Marie. Samson and Marie is their little, like, fairground-themed area yeah. uh, where they've got a couple of pretty basic flat rides for kids. Then it's when you move like over, you have um, Vickyland, right, which Vicky, that's Vicky the most Viking. impressive because it's Vicky the Viking. Yeah. It's newer, and it has the giant disco coaster that you walk under. Uh, Sven said that it's pretty similar to the Wookiee Land that's at Holiday Park, so pretty cool, straightforward. Uh, there's also that tractor ride. like It's an antique car ride-style ride. This is over closer to the dark ride that's like in this little farm area. There's like actual farm animals in the, in the infield for the ride. Which again is like super European. Very yeah, cute. the animals actually walk up yeah. to the to the ride vehicles, which is kind of weird. Yeah, um, but awfully European. Mm-hmm. And then um, then from there you kind of circle around. This is like the the back perimeter of the park, like an extra kind of loop. And uh, yeah, so the park is like a big circle with a strike through it, and the strike through the middle um, has two of the coasters or two of the major rides, Anubis and Super Splash, which we count as a credit. It's a max Super Splash. It's the only one on roller coaster that's not. It's the it's it's part of the same product line as all the other splash, super splashes, but for whatever reason, it's not listed as a credit on. It's not on roller coaster database for some reason, even though it's just the same product line. But this one is unique in the sense that it uses uh, an elevator, a rotating elevator inside of a silo. You dispatch into this elevator that spins you around. There are some star effects. It's very and space then efficient. You you move around and then, and it, then you phase and the then opposite it direction on the top. It you out the drop and it has the the airtime hill, and then a nice big splash into the and then large the right flume goes underneath. It goes right underneath the happiness airtime hill and it goes. Oh yeah, it goes and under then right on the its way back. It makes an S shape underneath, underneath the, uh, the airtime hill. And if you're lucky, you'll catch a boat it's going a really over it. Really enjoyable ride. Satisfying. A little bit more space efficient than the traditional, like, triangle-shaped Super Splash rides. Um, but yeah, I, really, I really liked it. We, um, we had an evening here at the park. The park was busy. The park has two kiddie coasters, um, a large Tivoli, like the double figure-eight Tivoli called Victor's Race or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think and it's what it's called. And yeah. we had um, the Kadri... Kadri roller Kadri skater, roller skater, which is just a basic roller. So Kadri is a uh, is a um, pop group for kids that started with three women back in the early two thousands, not mistaken, maybe even before that, late nineties. Um, very spicy, very very movie. big in the Netherlands <laughs> and Belgium. And I, as a kid, had like all the merch. And then <laughs> one of the band members left. They found a new band member. And then these three girls retired and got three new girls on board. And yeah. now I think they're finding another new member. But it's just been this, like, tradition for, like, kids to grow up yeah, with. this like, comedy. And, like, their songs are actually, like, pretty good, pretty thought-provoking. And they're Sven, very positive. Sven, who was with us on our trip, um, when we drove from Fantasialand back to um, Park Astrix area, Disneyland Paris area. Um, we were blasting Kadri songs from our childhood <laughs> in Dutch, and we were like, "Damn, this is actually like a really, really thought-provoking. Good. This is like all about equality yeah, and treating each other right, and like, you know, come as you are, uh, be yourself." <laughs> it was very yeah, from Africa to the America. Yeah. it was a good song. Look at that. Yeah, up. yeah. Um, so yeah, they have a little roller skater um, theme to that. It just sucks. It's really cute. It's actually a reskin of another intellectual property where everything is miniature. Do you remember off the top yeah, of Yeah, it is. It was themed, if I'm not mistaken, to... Um, I forgot the show's name, but it is about a um, a pet shop, and after it closes for the day, the, pets. the mice and the birds yeah. and stuff, which are played by humans in costumes. Of course. Um, <laughs> a little creepy when I think about it. They run around and cause havoc. Because there was a prop. It's a bunch of larger-than-life props. It's like very... It's a little bit like... Uh, Toy Story Land, Bugs Land kind of scale of things like Andy's bedroom. Like you're every, you're kind of the the scale is that you're shrunken down and things are miniature in your miniature in a world of like full size things. There's like that kitchen 
display thing, and then like the there's a prop that the roller coaster goes through that was originally a washing machine, and, that and now it's a stereo it's, uh, box, stereo like a karaoke machine because it's cadre theme. That's kind of cool. Um, so that's clever. Yeah. So the ride's seen a couple of of. They also have a um, um, a Star Flyer, yeah, which is one of the more thrilling rides there. Because it's, it, I mean, you have to know this park is very family oriented. It's it's really. Been, I would say like ninety percent of our lineup is like kids and family often, friendly. Um, even this, even though the House of Anubis roller coaster is like a major thrill ride, it was a thrill ride in an otherwise enormous family park. Like I mean, was, before Anubis, there was literally no thrill rides. Yeah, it was it literally was nothing. Really, a kiddie park. The only reason Anubis was added is because the House Anubis, or Head House for Anubis, yeah. um, was a major Dutch-Belgium TV show that it made it to the UK and the US in 2011, yeah. but um, they opened that coaster and in 2011 itself because the franchise was so big, and this was a good way for them to use one of their own IPs to draw yeah. in like larger you know, or, or older kids. Because, I mean, the so kids that were growing up at the Plopsa, with Plop Salon were also getting older grow, and outgrow, we're starting yeah. to watch House of so Anubis. Plop is the park that grows with you. It opened in 2000, 20 years later. Yeah, the, the, the kids that went there for the kids' shows when yeah. they were younger are now going there for the kids music, music went, festivals they go to. when they were like to. five years old, going and riding like Blue Miles and stuff, which was a rare twin track uh, bat flyer roller coaster that was sold to Trans Studio Bali and it's open again. So that's Which is really also cool. where the Knott's Bear from Boomerang Knott's is. Knott's Bear from Boomerang is. So yeah, so if you want to ride Knott's as Boomerang and the rare double Caripro uh, bat flyer from Popsalon de Pana, you can go to Trans Studio, Trans Studio Bali uh, and ride those rides. Um, but but yeah, yeah, should so, we talk about Anubis a little bit? Yeah. Okay, so Anubis is a Gerslauer uh, um, launch Eurofighter. Yeah. Themed to the um, uh, house, house of Anubis. House of Anubis. Um, house of Anubis. And it's really quite cute. It's like the queue is the house, so you're walking through like all the rooms. There's and then you get upstairs, some, which some is where cool details whatever creepy house maintenance guy has all of his secret yeah. stuff and then you get into it's like a library and a parlor. Exactly. You get into the library and you get into this like ancient um, Egyptian looking machine yeah. and it takes off it out of the house, breaks out of the wall and then, which is just you dispatching. This ride was and then you launch into the huge, garden of the house. Huge surprise. Yeah. Now the ride's glass smooth. It is probably the smoothest Eurofighter the by smoothest a significant margin I've been on. I've been on. Um, full of airtime, very intense. The six passenger I call them horsefly trains because they have like a, a tall trapezoid shape to them. But if you've ridden the net at Farup Summerland or Huracan at Belantis. This has the same rolling stock as those. Um, it's also somewhat similar to the rolling stock on Daredevil Dive at Six Flags Over Georgia, except Six Flags Over Georgia's has the unique hydraulic over-the-shoulder lap bars, um, which they never did those again because they ride had so many technological like fussiness over those restraints. Uh, more, more notably... Anubis was the precursor to Daredevil Dive. It, they're basically the same layout, except situated differently and using different means of propulsion. Where Daredevil Dive dispatches and goes up the traditional vertical lift drop configuration of a Eurofighter, Anubis starts off with a really powerful launch and a, and a really aggressive top hat. Like, this thing doesn't just sail over the top hat, it flies over the top hat, just like dramatically. And then when you come off of the top hat, the dive loop um, dive loop top hat Immelman combo of Daredevil Dive. Um, that's basically so you come off of the you come off of the top hat, the initial top hat for the ride, and that's where Daredevil Dive and Anubis are I start are identical. So you Except have, for Daredevil Dive is not nearly as smooth as right. Anubis is. Well, yeah, they're technically identical. Also, Anubis tears it up. Anu- I swear it to runs God, way Anubis goes through the same elements, the same size of elements, the same scale, but so much faster. Um, and then it goes up. It has the mid-course and the uh, barrel roll all in the same basic um, positioning. But then after the barrel roll, um, Anubis goes straight into the brake run, like right off of the barrel roll, whereas... Um, Daredevil Dive goes to the barrel roll and then does like kind of a, a longer, like it does like a right turn and then leads itself, plugs itself back into the station. So it's interesting. These rides, I had no idea um, prior to like right before our visit that these rides were anywhere similar to each other. Um, 
but come to find out that everything from the first inversion to the last inversion is identical on these coasters. And only the first drop slash top hat and the approach to the brake run and the station are different. So that was cool. Really good ride. I liked it way better than Daredevil Dive. I mean, I love Daredevil Dive, but it makes Daredevil Dive feel so slow uh, in comparison I think the best part of that ride wasn't just how intense it was, but it was a really nasty landscape. Super nice. It went through like this forest, and their layout was really hard. Because, like, uh, obviously, Daredevil Dive, you can see Daredevil the whole layout right in front sparse. of you. Yeah. But this ride was so forested that you mm-hmm. couldn't really see the majority of the layout. I didn't yeah. really expect it to be that nice of a product overall. Yeah. Um, very big surprise. Definitely close second favorite mm-hmm. in the park. Really enjoyed it, and I would look forward to riding it again. And I like to think of Takabisha as like the third successor to this ride layout because the. Um, the part, of the second half of Takabisha and uh, TMMT Shellraiser, the the Eurofighter drop sequence, has a very similar dive loop Immelman with a little top hat in between kind of sequence. Except that on Takabisha and Shellraiser, that top hat in between the dive loop and the Immelman uh, is a is an inverted top hat, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. Do you remember coming off, like, you come off of the, the drop, the second half, the beyond vertical drop yeah. part of that ride, and it goes into the dive loop, and then it comes up. I'm pretty sure it's an inverted top hat. I'm going to look it up. There's no inverted top hat on that ride. Are you sure? I mean, it's a very tall, stretched out course crew, and there's on there, and like a giant zero-g roll looking thing. Top Unless you want to call that an inverted top hat. Wait. But it doesn't end in the same direction as it starts. Here's what I'm talking about. This, this bit right here. Sort of a, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, I just call it a big overbank. Big, but like an inverted overbank. But anyway, the second half of Takabisha is like the third evolution then of the uh, majority of the Anubis ride layout. Anyway, love this ride. Um, we actually skipped the kitty coasters because we just were more... We were the lines are quite long. Yeah. It's kind of like the Legoland effect, where like the family rides don't have super high capacity, and it's definitely a busy yeah, see, park. Look at this. This is an inversion. Um, another thing that we rode was the Heidi the Ride wooden roller coaster. Okay, that was really fun. Uh, Heidi the Ride is a it's s- sort of super clone. similar clone yeah. to White Lightning at Fun Spot in America, Orlando, except this is all wood, and instead of a ninety degree bank turn at the far edge. It actually is like close to like eighty degrees, like a normal bank. So it doesn't feel like, as like as like rough. Yeah. Um, overall, the ride tracked way better, was way faster, um, very very smooth. And for those who've been to California to get in America, you'll get a kick out of the fact that they had to use the same sort oh, yeah, the of sound, um, dampening. sound dampening strategy. Yeah. So including um, styrofoam between the, uh, yeah, the wooden it, track cross ties, the and, yeah. and then having like all these walls and, and a tunnel to kind of help with. Um, minimizing noise. Still, the ride had to close at 7 p.m. nightly, even though the park was open to 11. So we had to hit that early in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm glad. But that really we fun ride. The, um, the queue is themed to a, a Swiss chalet, um, and the actual finale of the ride has like a bit of a dark ride scene. It's not as spectacular, but it's cute. The dark ride scene's cute. pretty cute. Um, it, it was. It didn't have to do that, but they chose to. It's like the perfect wooden coaster for that park. It's yeah. just the right size. It's very family friendly. So we really enjoyed that. And right next to it is a ride called the Drac, which is a Mac um, powered coaster. Flower Ensign custom. That has three heli seats, kind of goes around the area. That was another one we skipped because it had a really long line. And, um, but it was cute seeing it run by, though. But it, it only went around one once. <laughs> Sven um, was like, we could ride that, but it's like 45-minute line for... Uh, a custom flower ensign that only goes around one time. But, but right cool. below that is the a Dino, Splash, Dino Splash or Dino Splash, which was a great log flume that I'm really glad we made time for. It's like if you ride the ones at Wildby Belgium or Wildby Holland, it's like a slightly shorter version, but it includes um, the the double down Max Splashdown. Uh-huh. It's a highly themed dinosaur themed volcano themed log flume that was retrofitted. It's actually really nice. This area of the park is like the nexus of of criticisms for the whole. It's a lot of themes overlapping incredibly heavily, and there's a Pizza Hut in the middle. This is where the whole criticism of Plopsa having themed rides instead of themed areas. Most of the rides have enough room to breathe. Like I feel like the Kadri Roller Skater and Anubis and Ride to Happiness. Like they all have, they're not like on top of each other. They've got a little bit of their own 
little like micro areas. Even the the Super Splash, which is themed to that pirate show, like had a themed shop and bathrooms and a and a kiosk for food. But then the area of the park with Dino Splash, it's like you've got medieval theme from the Dragon Flower Ensign. You have Dino Splash. That log flume wasn't always themed to dinosaurs, but it's one of those things where they're like, oh, we have this intellectual property. Let's reskin this existing ride, even though the existing ride was themed to something else. Like, I think it had a more, it was like, wasn't it all medieval? Or like the log flume was first, and then they added the Drac, which gave the, the log flume a medieval theme. And then they turned around and rethemed the log flume again to the dinosaurs. And then they added Heidi, which is, you know, Swiss chalet theming next to it. So you have this this really it's a lot because while you're queuing for Heidi outside, all yeah. you see is the dinosaur splash yeah. ride and it's you a, see drag it's overhead. A, it's it's like it's but for me it was like this is so much this is like sensory overload. It was like this is so bad it's good. We have Camelot, we have the Jurassic period, and we have like World War Two era uh, Europe, like mountains. Like, <laughs> I just, there was, it was just, it was just, I, I could see, like, if you're familiar with this park, if this is your home park, I could see feeling, like, exhausted by this sort of thing and, like, being in this area of the park being like, this is taxing. Like, I'm exhausted by this. This is probably how, the way Sven feels about that area of the park is probably how we feel about Adventureland at Magic Kingdom where we have a convergence of, uh, like, colonized Africa, the Middle East, Polynesia, and Spain all converging in the center of Adventureland where the Magic Carpet Ride and Jungle Cruise is and being like, this is ridiculous and exhausting. But I still feel like this is more fun. It's, like, so bad. It's so garish, but it's, like, it just was funny to me in a good way for that reason. So, I don't know. I wasn't too mad about it. I really, Heidi was a nice surprise because it runs smoother than White Lightning because White Lightning runs all year long and it's brutal out here. Like the, the weather is, is, the elements can be really unforgiving, especially to wooden coasters. Um, Heidi definitely felt like a ride that only ran for, it runs seven hours a day for only like five months a year, you know? You can just tell that it just doesn't, it's not being stretched to its limits. Like, it's also newer. And it's newer, yeah. And it's wooden and not steel, Fully, so it yeah. definitely helps with its bending and flexibilities. But and then it was also I was also a little bit shocked to see that it was still just the six-vehicle train, because I feel like this is... This Could have been eight by now, but at layout. This park, um, how many visitors do they have? They have over two million visitors a year, don't I think they? it's roughly around like one point something. Oh, okay. It's not. I can check real quick. Oh, that's they want two million. That's what Sven was saying. He was like, they're aiming for two million. Ride to Happiness is like going to be the next step to to the the two million um, annual attendance goal, and you know that so on and so forth. But like, how you're going to have like two million attendance dreams when you build a major ride like Heidi and it's only 12 passengers per dispatch max. Like, there's just no reason why they couldn't have given that ride a slightly longer, like, passengers per dispatch. Um, especially considering we waited, like, 40 minutes, 45 minutes for it. Um, it just didn't seem... It seemed kind of goofy. It's like... Because it's not a small ride. I'm like, there's, there's no reason why this ride shouldn't have slightly longer trains, especially when it's at an amusement park that is really shooting for the stars attendance-wise. Where it's like Fun Spot doesn't even get like a fraction of that attendance. So, other than that, great ride and the Pizza Hut was amazing. Overly priced, to be Super, honest. Oh, it was probably one of the more expensive theme park foods. Way overpriced in Europe. Um, but again, this is kind of like Belgium's Disneyland, as Alex said prior. Yeah. So it kind of checks out. Yeah. Um, what else do we have to talk about before we get over to the highlighter today? I mean, I think we might already be there. Yeah, so the next ride in line, is, right next yeah. to Heidi, is um, Rides of Happiness by Tomorrowland. To be fair, we only spent an evening at this park. We split it down the middle with Bellavarde. What? Um, yeah, so we split it down the middle by Bellavarde, with Bellavarde. They're actually really <laughs> close to each other. Like, yeah. It was like 30 minutes? It wasn't yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, it, this is a park where it would have been fun to spend the whole day, but we're going to go back. We, I really, this was my favorite new park of the trip, <laughs> which Sven and, and Sean are judging me for, but I've just felt like a guest in uh, this, this, this 
different reality that was like culture shock for me. I'm like surrounded by people who are totally understanding and familiar with all the stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know any of this, but it's exciting. It's, I, it's unfamiliar and I like that and it's cool. So I was really into it. I don't know if I'll enjoy it as much the second time around because it won't be new, but I will be happy to find out. But yeah, we only, um, we rode everything that we rode. We rode once except for ride to happiness, which we rode, um, three times. More than that. No, we only rode it three times. I thought we rode it twice, and then we rode it... One more time. Oh, really? You only rode it three times, huh? Yeah. We rode it... I guess we just took a bunch we rode of pictures it, of it. We got there... We, we went there first thing. We rode it twice in a row, and then we did the rest of the park, and then we um, waited and, and did our nighttime ride on it, which was incredible. But yeah, um, the ride to happiness area is still in, under construction. In fact, as recently as this week, they've I mean, they added all these new pieces. More stuff, so believe so. it or not, the Suez Canal that had the boat stuck, <laughs> that boat was actually on the way to Rotterdam, which is um, only like maybe like an hour north of where the Plopsand is. Uh-huh. So when it finally docked and it unloaded half of the scenery pieces that were stuck on that boat, now the area can be finished. Was, were the pieces really on the boat, the one that clogged it? Or was yeah, I mean, it, this boat is so freaking massive, babe. It, it carries like all sorts of or shit. Or was it on like another boat that was just not able to pass because the famous boat was in the way? That's actually a good question. Well, more boats passed before the famous boat got loose. And the famous boat arrived to the port in Rotterdam like literally a week before the pieces arrived to Plopsand upon it. So it could have been the actual boat Maybe. I mean, babe, these boat, these ships are stupid. I large. would just be really like the size of a freaking country. I would country. just be really shocked if, like, the boat, the famous boat that actually clogged the Suez Canal, was carrying. Please hold. I want to see how much they can carry on that boat. Um, was carrying Ride to Happiness accoutrement. Um, but yeah, Ride to Happiness, uh, as Sven puts it, feels like a different, like a totally different part of. It doesn't feel like the rest of Plopsalandapana. It feels really sophisticated, definitely aimed at the 20-something audience. I mean, like, it has a bar. It's very, I mean, it, it feels exact. Uh, they've definitely achieved the music festival aesthetic. Like, it feels like you are at, I guess, like Coachella. Okay, you want to know the possibility like of it having been on that ship? Do I? This ship is 200,000 tons, is one of the world's largest cargo ships, it can carry 20,000 containers and is the length of four football fields. Babe, it's very possible that in those 20,000 big containers, there were some scenery pieces I just love that, entered, that needed to go to Belgium. There's nothing more American than measuring shit by football fields. So, yeah. yeah. It's very possible. It's possible. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the area of the park is cool. It's got a bar. It has a seating area with string lights over it. It's very... It is, wow, what a way to it describe is, it. It is, it is Tomorrowland vibes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... It's a music festival. Cottagecore steampunk. Yeah, that, yes. I came up with that. Okay, really cute. So the queue for <laughs> I the was ride... Like, this isn't just steampunk. It's like steampunk, but with like flowers and shit. I'm like, this is cottagecore steampunk. Well, yeah, the little, the little machine lady is like... Yeah. Become one with nature. Yeah. Shortly, Something you will be up, so, one with yeah. nature. This is, this, okay. Live mo- today. This is love tomorrow. Unite, unite forever. forever. <laughs> oh, my God. This ride is a little into itself. I mean, as it's a, like the biggest thing that parks As I've a seen. native English speaker, I felt like the, all the English, which, I, first of all, I was surprised that it was all in English, but it's like kind of the aesthetic they're going for, I guess. Well, yeah, it's a multinational um, European festival. Yeah. Like a lot of people from different countries go to so it's all in English but I was like wow the, the ride is like really into itself it's like a little self-righteous and presumptuous but I think that was just me interpreting the dialogue as, as an American English speaker but the queue is cool it has an indoor portion and then you go outside into this little garden and then you go and then upstairs there is a pond and then there's a little water Mill thingy yeah. and then the coast, so you can see coming in hot. There's a lot of interest. Yeah, it's kind of. And fun then you go up the stairs, yeah. and then there is There's another like indoor queue, hallway. which is located underneath the station, and and they use the air gates machinery as like oh, yeah, as part theming. of the theming, yeah. which is cool. Very and then you can take one more stairs up to the actual yeah. station. I will say that I mean the station's beautiful. Um, the the ride to happiness mascot lady who's telling us all the mantras in the station. She has this beautiful LED screen. 
that's over just over the entrance of the station, like for the dispatch. So and it has some cool. It's got some neat scenery pieces. That scenery move. pieces, like they're kind of like monocles that come up and like they cover one eye and then they go to the other and they sort of dance. It's the ride is is a neat choice. It's a really like satisfying and compelling aesthetic. Um, like I said, more than just the normal steampunk. Steampunk does not really have, like, conventional steampunk does not really have a natural aspect. It doesn't have a nature edge to it, which is why I kind of like this approach to it, because it's sort of like, it's steampunk, but, like, you're out in a, you're out in a field somewhere, <laughs> like... Over the water. Yeah. Or, yeah, there's little ponds and stuff. You're, like, dancing in the grass barefoot, but steampunk. So let's talk about the actual ride. So the ride starts with a yo-yo roll. Yeah, um, the dispatch is a, a 90 degree turn JoJo roll, which that, is really fun. Obviously, the trains are already spinning the moment you leave the station. Yeah, um, so like lots the, of hang time, but very, very it's fun. It's fun feeling like which side of the car is heaviest because for us, it was always like we were always face down on the JoJo roll because the two of us were always heavier than whoever was sitting behind us. And then um, the train parks on the yeah. launch, but it's maybe like five seconds yep. and then takes off. The vehicles were spinning in the opposite direction. Yeah. So there is a bit of an effect there. Um, then you go up a 90 degree. You go up in, 140 in feet tall. Top hat. Top hat. has a left turn in it, but the turn kind of dips you down and back and up. And it's outward banked. Yeah. So you kind of look at the water far below. If you look straight ahead, you can actually see the North Sea. You can see mm -hmm. the ocean, which is cool. This ride does a great job of, of throwing your weight around and, and manipulating that spinning feature because this this top hat with this weird turn in it, it at first it was like that's an, an interesting choice but when you're on a spinning coaster it's like okay they did this on purpose because they want Throw some more they want you there. to get thrown around and then there is the 90 degree drop coming off the top for, hat which is airtime. about the same size as the drop on time traveler yeah so yeah it doesn't it doesn't yeah. start like time traveler silver city but it does have Almost every element that you find on Time Traveler is ex is also to be found yeah. on a Ride to Happiness. Ride to Happiness, I think, like, way has better pacing because both of the coasters park before that first launch, except that Time Traveler's first launch is like a third of the way through the ride. So, so you, you get park mid-ride. ride sequence. You park what feels like right in the middle of the ride, kind of catch your breath, and then you take off the ride continues. Whereas Ride to Happiness, you just have the JoJo roll. And then you park, and then you. Which have feels the like whole, just like a really spectacular yeah. turn into yeah. what is the first yeah. launch versus so it doesn't, the whole ride. It first. doesn't feel like the ride's pacing is is like it because it, with time travel you kind of it feels like you really slam on the brakes. The first time I wrote it and it stopped, I kind of felt like oh this doesn't feel like it's supposed to do this even though I know it is. Even though I know it is supposed to, I was like oh are we cascading? It's like oh no it's. It's not a bug; it's a feature. But um, but yeah. So after the ninety degree drop, mm -hmm. um, you, you have a banana, a banana roll, roll, which is way more spectacular when you're spinning than yeah. it is on, on a regular banana yeah. roll. Um, then you have the vertical Perfect loop. Perfect vertical loop. Now the funny thing is the vertical loop is a little smaller than the one on Silver Dollar Cities. Yeah. And honestly, with a ride as crazy as Rides of Happiness, it didn't even really stand out to me. Yeah. Because it has so many crazy elements. Um, that's followed by a zero zero G roll. Yeah, zero G roll is great. Mind you, this is all over the water because yeah. the first half of the ride is completely yeah. over water. Um, you come out of the zero G roll into like kind of a dirt turn. You do and like then a you do a you a really sharp S, S airtime like hill, a, like a I three hundred five esque like flying swish sort of thing. And then great you get and then you fire right into, into the next launch, which is parallel to the first launch. Yeah. Very great use of space. Yeah. They just kind of fit two halves yeah. of the ride into two parts of the park. Uh -huh. And the launches are right in the middle connecting yeah. it. Yeah. So um, like and that is a launch much like... It's one of those airtime launches Copperhead like strike. Copperhead Strike, except this one's way more potent. Uh, yeah, so in the front, you don't really get that much air and a little bit of floater. But if you're sitting in the back car, yeah. when you launch over that airtime hill, you get... Air on that launch. It's kind of wild. Copperhead Strike, I expected air on that, and I didn't get it. Whereas this one, the 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 drop into the launch is a little shallow, and then there's kind of a small hill for the for the launch, and then it goes down to the ground. So it's more like a, exactly. it has like a double dip, accomplished feeling to it. And then and you, you launch into, into a um, flying snake dive. The most spectacular looking thing. But so it's very it's akin, like a double roll. Very akin to the the flying snake dive on. Uh, Storm Runner, except instead of a ninety degree turnout, it's a it's a vertical like a like a true dive loop, where it dives underneath. And itself. it's the opposite of Star Trek Operation Enterprise, right. so it's like the opposite direction of going through that weird element. Yeah. So, 
Um, that's probably my favorite part of the ride. I mean, my it's favorite. hard to think of favorite part. Oh my this, god, there's so much spinning and you're inverting twice. Thing, you go into the most. One of the most aggressive moments of airtime I've ever felt. It's funny because this ride, you think, well, inversion, inversion, inversion spinning, inversion. spinning. There's, you know, it's yeah. not much air. But, oh, my God, this ride has more this air than, like, half the rides in the U.S. crazy. It's absolutely insane. I think it's of all time, like, When I think of Time Traveler, I think of it's a launch spinning looping coaster that has some great pops of airtime. There's, a couple, like, one or two really great airtime moments. But then Ride to Happiness is, like, half airtime, air half machine. inversion. Like it's an, all airtime. That ride has, like, five... Or six really amazing airtime moments. Especially because then, when you get the out of that finale, airtime hill, yeah. you have a sharp overbank turn over yeah, over, over a pond, the, yeah. and then you have a double up, double airtime hill into the final break, and it is probably the most ferocious airtime. Yeah. I was really I undressed. Mean, I mean, this crazy. is like yeah, RMC was, level airtime, except like, for way more comfortable. Yeah, way more comfortable, and it's like the hills were just the right shape, where you felt like you were out of your seat for just the right amount of time before being slammed back into your seat. And a cool thing, of course, with a spinning coaster is, is that like you can have that sideways, backwards, yeah, backwards forwards, yeah. all sorts of motions. Yeah. And, um, of course, the rewritability of this mm-hmm. is, is insane. Every time so you ride it, every, it's so different. We rode it, different. and like, every time it took my breath away. I was absolutely... Floored, but it is just—it's just awesome because we love Time Traveler and we wrote it a lot last summer. Mm-hmm. We're like, God, this is really one of Max's coolest things. Yeah, and then we were expecting this to be on Time Traveler's level, yeah. and, this and we'll do a more of a comparison episode yeah. a couple of weeks from now where it's yeah. Time Traveler versus Ride to Happiness. Not to get into it too much, but this is definitely the next evolution. This of it. ride. It tried some far newer things, exceeded our expectations, and the create the creativeness that was needed to build this ride in in the park that is shaped the way it is with the water yeah. versus having to build it in the valley and on a mountain. Mm-hmm. They're very different rides, which is yeah. really cool. And we'll, we'll like I said, we'll dive into it more. I just love but that it's definitely this is like the next step. A up, better paced, better pacing, faster, like more positive G's, definitely more negative G's, and you know not having that pause in the middle of the ride. I just this ride is was it, it took time traveler and improved on it in virtually every aspect and added a bunch of new elements. Like it's really cool seeing a banana roll. I mean, the, uh, this ride is that snake dive. It's the, the best really way for me. The best word that describes this ride is like audacious. Like, just I mean, I would have been impressed with half of this ride, but they like everything after the second launch feels like. Like just gratuitous. It's funny because first I was like, God, the second half of the ride like is really short because I mean it's only like one loop around the plaza, yeah. which just happens to have two inversions yeah. and four or like three massive yeah. airtime moments. But um, the ride is so intense, yeah, and it has an onboard audio and it the has lighting. I mean, it has like all the sensory the light scheme is amazing. Sensory, the oh, sensory had, things I had going the time on. of my life after we rode our ride. There was still like a half hour worth of queue behind us that they had to flush out so we um went and took pictures of the ride like long exposures and i had a ball long exposure shooting this ride absolute ball um so yeah that was really cool that it has the lighting package especially because it doesn't get that dark in the summer till like 10 30 11 yeah we were late but i guess in the winter they'll be running it too um that was a cool aspect of it that obviously time traveler doesn't have um, but yeah, overall, first I was like, well, the second half is very short, but the ride is so ferocious that you don't really need, you don't really need it to be any longer. I mean, it's, it a, it's a long right. ride to begin it with. It was just right. God, it is, it is a lot. It and I think especially for those, the park patrons that are used to other things I there. think the second ride we had on it, first ride was amazing. We rode in the front, and then on the second ride, we rode in the back. And the airtime hill, after the double, after the snake dive, the way we were positioned, like, it that airtime was so violent and we were like facing sideways and it just took my breath away. Like I thought my eyes were going to pop out of my face. It was so, it really was so intense. Crazy. <laughs> it's kind of like the new X2, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's sensor overload by the, the fact the that satisfaction that I got it. from this ride was exactly like how it felt the first time I rode X2. And when we've ridden like the, the SNS 40 coasters, we were just like, you come into the break run and you're just like, Wow. I think we can thank Mac putting a spinning car on the back of Blue, Blue Fire, Fire for some of the elements. I think they were oh really trying God. to see, like, hey, how far can we push these elements on a spinning coaster? Now that I've ridden a spinning Ride coaster, to Happiness, like, I would die to ride Blue Fire with a spinning these car. trains. Like, I cannot believe. Like, I want so badly for them to put that back. I don't care if they have to charge extra for it. I don't care. I want to ride 
a blue fire clone with these trains. I'm sure we'll get a blue fire clone with those trains. I mean, what an easy product to sell. Right? I know. There's already so many blue fire clones like around the world, and there's there's more on the way. I would. I would I would like to think that a blue fire clone with extreme spinner trains is is coming, but I guess we'll oh, have I'm to sure. see. I really hope so. I'm sure as the product line is going to take off more, they're literally going to sell that exact layout as like a cheaper version. I, I just can't layout. believe that like this this ride. I mean, Time Traveler was such a slam dunk that you think like can they can they catch lightning in a bottle for the second time and like ride to happiness. Prove like not only is this a consistent product line, but it like the follow up to the prototype exceeded like shattered expectations, absolutely destroyed expectations, and I just didn't feel like there was that much more room for the ride to get any better. Time Traveler, it was so awesome. I was like, I don't know how they can like improve on this other than just you know doing a different layout. But there's no guarantee that a park will want to build uh, like a ride layout. For this that's even crazier but Plopsil and the Pana was like uh yeah um all the more re- like w- we love to talk about like the next step for a place like Magic Mountain and we talked about this in a previous podcast episode before riding t- Ride to Happiness but now more than ever before I'm like Magic Mountain needs that one needs of to these. happen it needs to be samurai themed it needs to go yeah. down where a Golden Bear Theater is and where Log Jammer used to be yeah. and it needs to be a hillside yeah. spectacular Mac Launch Coaster. Yeah. I mean, I it think it's, be like it's just like Helix meets Time Traveler. Um, yeah, where the where the Eagles Flight Station was and the Laughing Dragon Pete's just like decimate all of that and like do a crazy Ninja Star themed Mac Extreme Spinner. It would be the most Magic Mountain thing ever. It would be so incredibly well received by. A generation, corporate, go put yeah. some money in Magic Mountain, please. Like, uh, for a generation raised on X and X2, this is it. This is, this is the next step. This is where you go. It has the crazy factor, the craziness factor of a 4D coaster, except you get comfort, you get airtime, and you get a different ride every time. You just, there's no losing. There's absolutely... And it's so different at night. You can't lose. Yeah, and it's just, uh, the theme yeah. is awesome. The queue is awesome. Core, um, their operation was awesome. It was just overall a really, really great just experience. Just a slam dunk. Like, I guess, I mean, it's hard for me to separate the rest of Plopsaland from this ride, but I think that was another reason why I just had such a bitchin' time at Plopsaland Panas because of this ride. Like, it was, it was such a, a Nirvana... Apps, I would say so. My top yeah, ten still. It would be really hard for me too. to say that it's not because this ride was like greater than the sum of its parts. It kind of gave me like Dynaconda vibes. Like yeah. I thought I knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. Based on like the based other on similar. Yeah. And then I completely was yeah. bewildered it, this, by how great it, it was. Really, it was like serendipitous riding it, and all three times we rode it. Because then when we went back for our nighttime ride, we rode in the front again. But of course, it was at night, and it was like. So all three times, going riding it for the first time in the front and getting first impressions, riding it immediately the second time in the back and getting our backseat ride, and then riding it again at night in the front seat again. It was like every time we rode it, I was like... It's funny because the trains sh- aren't that long, but the back again. and front are like very different Huge experiences still, yeah. which is kind of cool. Because some elements you really get like... I guess the only Like launching into the top hat in the beginning of the ride, you know, it has that nice yeah. turn. Obviously in the front you get some crazy air. Mm-hmm. But then obviously coming off the drop, it's better in the back. Because you get that whippy, you know, the whipped 90 degree yeah. turn. And then the same thing goes for the, um, the, it's the flying snake dive where you get launched into it. Yeah. So the incredibly time rapidly. Going, yeah. It's like you, you navigate the element within a second. As where, like, in the back, obviously, getting coming down from the element, getting whipped out of the last inversion. It's so really hard cool. to choose, like, a favorite part of this ride because your favorite part in your front seat ride is not the same part as your favorite part in the back seat ride. Not at all. And I, would, I guess I would say the only drawback with this ride is the capacity. I still feel like they do a great job. Um, but it's, like, Time Traveler and Ride to Happiness, 16 passengers per dispatch. The trains are not very high capacity despite their length. They're a, they're a big train, considering the number, like, relative to the number of people that are actually on each dispatch. They're about as long as a 20-passenger traditional launch coaster train from Mac. So I guess that would be the only caveat, is that right now they're not exactly the most capacity-centric rides. But I feel like there's opportunities to improve the formula even further. I could see them doing something 
even more dramatic. I could see them doing like a four cross version or a floorless version. Like I don't know. I'm just hoping they would experiment with like maybe a longer train in the future. Yeah, maybe or, add like or a, a, a five, pa- yeah, a five vehicle. Because I think on a clone like a Blue Fire clone, it could add like they could yeah. make five trains. Um, but the elements are very tight. They're so tight that I'm surprised that a four yeah. train vehicle, even a four car train, if it comes. Watching through there. this ride is is a trip because these vehicles are so. Each individual vehicle is so massive. And it's hard, it, like, it's hard to imagine such enormous vehicles. Like, the vehicles are so big, nose to nose, that it's hard to imagine them articulating su- through such sharp turns and twists. And, but it, they manage, and, with, and just with flair and comfort. Like, it's just so impressive. It is an impressive, memorable ride. So yeah, if this park wasn't on your radar, and I can understand why it maybe wasn't, if yeah. you're listening from out, out, you know, far away from Belgium, and you have to pick and choose what you can do in Europe, um, the park definitely should be on your list now. Yeah. And if anything, um, if you're just a coast enthusiast and you're just trying to go for like noteworthy coasters, even just a half day there just yeah. to get on that, and maybe Anubis, yeah. uh, in my opinion, maybe Heidi. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely go. Yeah. Ride the happiness is. Um, yeah, like we said, it's in Sven's top ten. It's in our top ten. Um, you know, I mean, Alex one, absolutely had one like eleven hundred coasters, and it's in his top ten. So, it's absitely one of the best roller coasters in Europe, like without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and they did it. They took a risk because it's such a different yeah. ride than anything else in the park. Um, but I think it's gonna it's gonna draw a whole new audience to the park. Yeah, which will then kind of really open the floodgates for them to maybe become more of a balanced destination yeah. where it's. Very family friendly, but also, you know, maybe the next couple of rides will be thrill focused, mm-hmm. where they can really kind of balance it out. Guys, for now, it's definitely an outlier. It's a yeah. very family friendly park. I know this is intense, yeah. but it's themed to a teenager show. Yeah. Um, and then you have this ride, which is one of the world's craziest roller coasters, and yeah. it's right is slapped in the middle of that park. Mm-hmm. So as of now, it's a bit of a weird vibe having that. Um, in a park like Plop Salons, mm-hmm. but I think that this is the the first step towards becoming a much more balanced destination yeah. and becoming a resort that's going to have, you know, the Wallaby yeah. guests Plop, also Plop coming Plop Salon is one to watch. Like, this is going to be, I'm very curious about the, the rest of their, like, the next 10 years for this park and if they're going to, if their trajectory is, like, having a domineering coaster lineup, like, for the region. Like, they're obviously off to a really great start with the three major coasters here. So, so yeah, that's that. Really enjoyed our visit. Um, go visit thecoasterkings.com and check out our article about our visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of cool pictures, including, um, obviously, a ton and ton of detail yeah. on the ride to happiness. A little more explanation on every element, mm-hmm. the cue um, kind of visuals there. We have some awesome long exposure shots. And um, of course, I'll check out the rest of our Europe trip 2021. You know, a quick little five-day, eight-part um, trip to Europe. It's all on thecoastagains.com. We're still launching articles um, every week. Um, another new thing we've got going on, on the website is the crown ratings. We rate parks from around the world based on five different categories, and then we give them an overall rating. Um, latest one we released um, when we record this is the Dinosaur Land. China Dinosaur Land. Um, crown rating. Crown rating. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, there's one new one. I haven't picked a park yet. Um, so yeah. go look at the website and hey. figure out what park we launched yesterday. <laughs> and other than that, anything else you want to add to that? Go ride. Ride to Happiness by Tomorrowland. Uh, Plops on the Pana in Belgium. All right, that's that. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.